you looking for an inspiring listen? Something to motivate you? You've come to the right place. Welcome to Women of the Northwest, where we have conversations with ordinary women leading extraordinary lives. Motivating, inspiring, compelling. Don't pass up any opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) When opportunity arises, take advantage of it. Hello, hello, listeners. Welcome to episode 18. I'm your host, Jan Johnson. If you're a person who likes to read the episode rather than listen, head on over to my website, jan-johnson.com slash show notes, and you'll find a transcript link. Did you know you can listen to my podcasts from my website as well? It's also available on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon, iHeart, and Stitcher. Before we get started, I want to share an exciting project I'm working on with a few friends. It's called 100 Women Who Care. This is how it works. It's simple, really. You gather 100 women together four times a year. Members nominate local nonprofits. And at the meeting, three nonprofits are presented. At the end of the meeting, members vote on one and donate $100. 100 women equals $10,000 for that local nonprofit. Isn't that the coolest thing ever? If this is something you're interested in finding out about, go to 100womenclatsup.com. And now let's enjoy listening to Margaret Magruder. Hello, everyone. (laughs) Welcome to Women of the Northwest, where I interview ordinary women who are leading extraordinary lives. And today, my lucky person that we have is Margaret Magruder. She lives in Klaskenai and has lived there since 1973. She's raised sheep. Uh, raised four kids, done 4-H, FFA, showed sheep all over the country, and has been on the Water Council Coordinator and is currently the Columbia County Commissioner. Welcome, Margaret. Well, thanks, Jan. Great to be here. (laughs) And glad to have you. We um, have known each other for a very long time. Quite a while, actually. Yes. Because you were here in 1973. I did not know you in 73 because I didn't move to Oregon until 76. The same year that, coincidentally, Ed (laughs) moved to (laughs) Oregon as well. However, I've known you for probably 30-some years. Yeah, when did you and Ed get married? In 1989. There you go. So there you go. I remember going to that wedding. (laughs) I remember you sneaking around with a brand new pickup for Ed's 50th birthday. Yes, Elaine and I did that. That was so much fun. With a clown wig on and hooting the horn all up with a brand new pickup for his 50th birthday. Yes, yeah, we've had some good times. Yeah, absolutely. That was a good time. So tell me, did you grow up in Glaskanai or how I, did, you, did you? I did. I grew up in Glaskanai. I, I was born in Portland, uh, actually, but my family lived in Glaskanai. My grandfather came out to uh, the Pacific Northwest uh, in the early 1900s as a uh, salesman. He sold Roebling wire rope cable hmm. to uh, the logging industry up and down the West Coast, even went all the way up to Alaska. And when he was in the Sacramento Valley, he was watching them reclaim the land there 
and build dikes and create farmland. And when he was in the Klotzkanai area, he thought, wow, that could happen right here. So Mm -hmm. uh, he uh, was able to get funders uh, to help him do this project. And he designed the project and uh, built dikes and reclaimed about 12,000 acres of land in the lower Columbia area, the Klotzkanai floodplain. That's a lot of property. It is. And so, uh, you know, in order to uh, finance the project and pay back um, the loans, he sold the property to to people and uh, advertised it all over the Northwest as farmland that was great to grow crops. And lots of dairies were established Mm. uh, in the area at that point in time. Mm. So uh, then he was farming. He had a dairy also. Um, when he died, um, my dad was uh, about 16, so that was in the, the early 30s. Mm-hmm. And uh, so my grandmother carried on, and my father went to to college and became a veterinarian. And while he was in Ames, Iowa, at Iowa State University, he met my mother, and uh, she was an Ames, Iowa girl who would never go out with an Iowa farm boy because she didn't want to end up on an Iowa hog farm. Hog farm. <laughs> but she thought she thought a veterinarian was safe. And Little she, did she, she know. <laughs> little did she know. And she became mm-hmm. uh, uh, an Oregon farm wife, and she loved it. She was quite active also in all the agricultural activities. What that, kind of things did your um, your parents raise? We raised beef and sheep and... Uh, a variety of crops, oats, raised mint until the mint rusted out in the 50s. So uh, anything that uh, one thought they could make a dollar on, we we raised. And it was a great life, good, good place to grow up, good family, um, no complaints. <laughs> so you learned a lot of hard work outside. Absolutely. Rain or shine. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and I said no complaints, but I guess I did. I did have a couple of complaints because in the summertime when all my friends were having fun and going to the river to swim or water ski, I was uh, driving a tractor raking hay. And But some city kids would love to uh, learn how to ride a tractor. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. My friends really did like to come out and visit the farm because they got to do all these cool things that they never got to do. So did you raise your kids on the farm then? Raised my kids on the farm. Um, How many kids do you have? I have four kids. I came uh, home from college one summer and uh, met a man who was uh, working for my family on the farm and he had three kids and no wife and I guess I was ready ready to raise kids because I married I married three kids actually <laughs> uh, wonderful kids we added one I have wonderful children uh, and they all grew up on the farm and was was a good life and uh, they have all gone on to be successful adults raising their own families who are doing sheep too or animals well, no, um, doing a variety of things. A lot of it related to agriculture, mm-hmm. though. Uh, one uh, is uh, the John Deere man, and <laughs> uh, another uh, has a business called Log and Lumber Concepts, and he makes things out of logs and lumber uh, in uh, in Central Oregon. Um, another is a field man for the blueberry industry. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, everybody has, has stayed kind of close to the 
to the earth. And they probably did 4-H and FFA. We all, we all did 4-H. I did 4-H as a child. And um, I, I think that I remember my first sheep project. I was about six years old. So we, uh, we raised <laughs> sheep. We raised hogs. We raised cattle. I had a wonderful uh, shorthorn heifer named Gladys who was <laughs> champion at many fairs. Do you still have all of those ribbons? Well, no, don't have all don't have all of them because my house burned down in 1986, and uh, I lost a lot of those mm. treasures. Yeah. If if it hadn't burned down, I probably would still have <laughs> I'd still have a lot of them. I yeah, know. I don't know if you notice uh, uh, ones that are still in the doorway here. I house. see that mm. the, the Johnson family yeah. has kept those ribbons too. Well, they're pretty special, yeah. especially when you get those grand champions. They're hard to dust. Yeah, <laughs> you get those grand champions. So you know, around the the United States. I mean, the kids and I, we showed sheep in San Francisco at the Cow Palace, at the National in Louisville, Kentucky, at the festival in Maryland, yeah. um, all all over. Jumped in the truck with a trailer load of sheep and took a field trip. Took a field trip. Absolutely. <laughs> Wow, that's awesome. Let's see, didn't you do serve on some kind of sheep board? Yes, uh, I, I grew up with uh, with community service. My, my dad was the president of the Oregon Cattlemen's Association in 1959, and that was the year of the Oregon Centennial. Oh. So I spent a lot of that summer at uh, the... Centennial in Portland at the at the near the Portland Stockyards um, at the event center there, helping to man the booth mm-hmm. for the uh, organ cattlemen mm-hmm. and give out give out treats and the one of the <laughs> treats that we gave out. And I laughed about this because I didn't know why anybody would want it. Were were little cups of beef bouillon. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. I know. I know. I I've questioned that, but that's what uh, that's what they were doing. But uh, so I, I was, That's where you got your start at Costco. Uh, that, yeah. Yeah, giving up Costco samples. Yes. So I I I always say I I have spent my whole life uh educating people about agriculture and uh, sometimes I feel like I haven't done a very good job because there's still a lot of education <laughs> needed about agriculture. So with all of those <laughs> sheep did you I assume you sheared them absolutely the sheep shearers would come and we would bring all the sheep in and you had to bring them in the night before so that their tummies weren't full so they wouldn't be Mm. uncomfortable while they were being shorn Mm. Uh, and also you didn't want a heavy dew on them because you wanted them to be dry Mm. so yes we sheared the sheep and uh, the wool market has been very volatile over the years, uh, probably the best wool markets were back during the wars when wool was used to make the, the uniforms for all the soldiers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in the early 2000s, uh, the wool market was practically non-existent. So I uh, put together a group of folks with the Oregon Sheep Growers Association, and we uh, got a a grant so that we could study alternative uses of wool. Hmm. And we came up with several. We came up with pet beds Hmm. that are stuffed with wool. Um, We also had... uh, mats for uh, erosion control 
um, felted mats and uh, like around, along the highways or something along the highways the, I see. yeah uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then the one that uh, we moved forward was uh, wool building insulation mm. uh, blown in wool building insulation and uh, it's a, a very green product that people like the, who are interested in the environment what were some of the challenges of doing that uh (laughs) (laughs) there were lots of challenges one was uh was uh, finding the equipment that could chop wool wool is a very strong fiber Mm -hmm. and we needed to chop the uh, fibers into smaller pieces so Mm -hmm. that they would be blowable and flowable um and we uh, worked with uh, a business that chops up plastic Mm. and um, through them we got hooked up with uh, a company that made choppers that Mm. uh, could chop the wool the way we needed it chopped so we went from there and then we treated the wool with borate solution to uh, provide more flame resistance and Mm -hmm. also resistance to pests so there's a lot to explore in figuring out this yeah. product here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we had to figure yeah. out how to stick the uh, the liquid borate solution to the wool. So we used a casein um, mixture. That's a a kind of a sticky protein mm. that <laughs> that uh, sticks the the borate to the to the wool. And where do you um, where do you produce this? We manufacture that in Rainier, Oregon. Oh, Oregon right Shepherd. Here. All yep. right, interesting. Yeah. Huh. That's cool. Um, and did you go to college? I did. I did. I went to uh, Willamette University. I almost didn't go to college because it was the nineteen sixties. I graduated from high school in nineteen sixty six, and. Oh gosh, those are the times of, <laughs> of, of free love and yeah. <laughs> oh, those were the days. And <laughs> he wants to settle down and study. I, right, yeah. <laughs> and um, my father gave me some of the best advice that uh, anybody could ever give me. I I have shared that with others, and uh, he said, uh, "Go to school for one year, and if you don't like it, then you." You can quit. But he said, you know, your education is something no one can ever take away from you. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. he was very correct, mm-hmm. uh, very wise. And I'm so glad that uh, he gave me that advice. And then uh, seven years later, when I, <laughs> when I was getting my master's degree and you decided you liked it? in Slavic languages and literature, he, uh, he, 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 he uh, always laughed about uh, that. that <laughs> He had encouraged me to do this, so to, but it took me seven years to uh, huh. finally quit because you were doing a little bit of fun in between. No, or you no, were just, just uh, pedaled the metal. I got, yeah, no, I, I, uh, yeah, no, I did my uh, did my undergraduate degree, and then I, uh, I was doing my uh, my graduate degree. I got my master's, and I was like about all but dissertation for my PhD. Um, but that's when I. Came home that summer and married a man <laughs> with three children and added one child, and the rest is history. What did you plan to do with Slavic languages? Well, uh, I, I planned on having some sort of a 
job in the government, uh, foreign mm. service, mm. Uh, translating or you know, mm -hmm. doing. Did you have a, a travel bug in you? You felt like you wanted to go places? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought traveling around the world would be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you have done some fun. of that, haven't you? I, you have I done have some done, traveling? Yeah, I've done that um, after, after, uh, getting married and um, being involved in the livestock industry and being the president of the Oregon Sheep Growers Association mm -hmm. and serving on the uh, American Lamb Board, which is a commodity association to to promote lamb, American lamb. And so I was able to, to uh, work with sheep growers uh, around the world in Australia, New Zealand, uh, Great Britain. So, so I have gotten to travel. I also, uh, I also got to go to Russia um, yeah. on, on a USDA, U.S. Department of Agriculture mm -hmm. uh, uh, trip. Okay. Uh, and it was helpful that I had a little Russian background and yeah. speak a little Russian too. Yeah. So that was very, very interesting. Huh. Really neat. Okay. So now, currently, you're involved in some politics. What motivated you to do that? <laughs> well, just uh, just like uh, community service, um, it's always been part of my family. Everybody mm -hmm. has always uh, been active, either you know, a school board or or uh, whatever whatever needed to be done within the community. My my grandmother was an Oregon State representative representing Clatsop and Columbia County in mm. the mid-1930s. And my brother and my mother in the 70s and 80s both were state representatives. So um, it was politics has always been part of my life. And when uh, one of the Columbia County commissioners in, I think, 2016 uh, was going to retire, some folks asked me if I was interested. I thought this is the time. So take the leap. Right. So uh yeah, running for office is uh is challenging. Mm -hmm. Um and you have to get people to give you money so you can yeah. uh, so you can buy signs and do all those things. But um it's it's been a great experience being a Columbia, Columbia County Commissioner is all about solving problems, and there are lots of problems to solve from, uh, you know, people calling you about um, roads that are not in good shape mm -hmm. and uh, um, every everything, er everything. One of my fellow commissioners says that uh, a county commissioner's job is uh, everything right up to burying the dead, <laughs> and that's almost true, and we almost had to do that this year. Really? When um, one of the funeral homes called and said, we have a person here who has no one responsible for oh. them. Uh, the, the only relative said they wanted nothing to do with them. Mm. So so we figured out what to do. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, what, what other kind, kind of problems do you so what what kind of things come across your desk, across your phone, uh, <laughs> across your text, <laughs> across your email? <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, you know, why they, uh, people think that county commissioners can solve just about everything. And, of course, we can't. Mm -hmm. I know you have to work within the uh, the confines of the law and uh, and the confines of the budget that uh, we have mm -hmm. to uh, to work with, too. But we get to do 
identify things that where we see a need. And one of those things that I am working on right now is uh, water and uh, wa water quality and quantity. Um, because until we have a good idea of uh, the availability of water, what's in our aquifers, um, what the quality of that water is, it's difficult to plan for growth, either growth of housing, mm -hmm. which is a big need right now, or growth of any industry. Uh, without water, you can't really make too many decisions. And uh, I always say that despite the fact that uh, my office, which sits right by the Columbia River, where 265,000 <laughs> cubic feet per second of water is flowing by, uh, it's still... Water, water everywhere. Right, but not, not a, drop a drop to, to drink. drink. <laughs> Absolutely. Is this is the water exploring what needs to be done and whatever? Is that something that there's been a lack of that yes. of knowing lack of who who would have done that before? Lack of information. Nobody. I mean, we really <laughs> we really have very little data about the availability of water because I mean we kind of take water for granted mm -hmm. and until needs arise you know sometimes you don't realize that uh, what you don't have so there are gaps mm -hmm. in our data and so what we plan to do is identify where those gaps are mm -hmm. and then do whatever research we need to do to fill those gaps and then identify how we can improve the inter infrastructure and delivery systems mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so that we can fulfill the needs of our citizens. That is a big job. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was just thinking about, let's see, if your dad was doing dikes, you've just been a water girl right. all yes, along. Yes, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I years ago, I had to write a little blurb about my Columbia River story. And uh, and I, I said, my, I grew up on the banks of the Columbia River, watching the water go by, watching the ships go by. And I, I you know, you'd always kind of wonder where, where they were coming from, mm -hmm. where they were going. We didn't have the ability, as we do now, to go to the Internet and find, find out. out what ship is or going. Or listen to Joanne right. Wright out on KMUN right. about there what you the, go. the ship report. <laughs> right, absolutely. Yeah. We, so, you know, you'd watch the, watch the ships go by uh, and, you know, wonder where they were going and mm -hmm. wonder if you would go there someday, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Huh. So what has been your biggest joy one of your biggest joys in life and don't you dare say i it can't be my children because <laughs> <laughs> i think that it is my biggest joy in life uh is my children i uh, i married three wonderful children and mm -hmm. added one to the crew and um i don't know what i would do without them they're raising great kids themselves mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it's nice to know that there's somebody out there that'll take care of me <laughs> in your <laughs> old age I need to, although although i don't know you might want to cut this out of this, <laughs> of this but uh, uh but the boys tell me that uh, they will they will put me on a plastic chair in the basement above the drain and hose me down and i said please use warm water <laughs> so <laughs> what about um of all of your experiences with the Growing up on the farm and uh, the things that you've done, what kind of things, 
What would you tell your grandkids? What advice would you give them on life? And Don't pass up any opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> when opportunity arises, take advantage of it. But, uh, you know, do your best to make wise decisions. Uh, I don't think I've always made wise decisions, but... Um, to go where your heart leads you. Mm-hmm. Try things out. Um, be adventuresome. And if it doesn't work out? Start over again. Go back to the beginning. See what yeah. you learned. <laughs> right. Because you're always learning something. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Don't don't miss out on an opportunity to, uh, to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, um, it's kind of fun to see your grandkids probably just just the, the traits that maybe you pass on to them or you know or, or watching your kids with things that you've <laughs> right. rubbed off on them yes yes well frugality is one of the things that <clears throat> has rubbed off on uh, on most of my children and even some of my grandchildren I, I'm seeing that that same trait they're picking them. up pennies off the road right yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely um it, it's it's uh, it's fun to share those those um or see those family uh similarities as we mm-hmm. move through the generations yeah that's the okay, I'm going to ask you one last question what would you like people to say about you at your funeral <laughs> I I would like people to say that she lived her life well and then raise a glass. <laughs> and then she had a wonderful laugh. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that would be good, too. That would be good, too. All right. Well, Margaret, thank you for joining me today. This is fun. It's been great. I've learned some things that I didn't know about. <laughs> and thanks for being here. Thank you, Jan. It's been fun. Friends, can I ask a favor? If you're enjoying these podcasts, could you find one friend to share Women of the Northwest with? I hope you have a delightful week. We'll see you next time.